Hey, everybody. Should we see how this works today? I'm having high hopes. I'm an optimist now. I don't know if you know that, but uh, guess what? You're now listening to an optimist's podcast. Damn it. <laughs> My optimism was misplaced. Well, well, damnation. What would the show even be if I was like, I'm going to do a, a podcast about optimism? I think that would be terribly boring. I mean, right, does anyone want to listen to, like, you know, the world's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. I think you'll have an enjoyable time of being alive. All right, let's try this again. Everybody, welcome to another episode of this. Um, so, a little while ago, we did a uh, uh, an episode, a single episode of a podcast where, in theory, I would be. By the way, I'm standing doing this show. Um, I've I've heard that uh, you know, standing people are like sitting is the new smoking, which I'm like that seems a little extreme. <laughs> I mean, if so, if I stand all day instead of sitting, I can smoke, and then we're in the same place. That seems pretty unlikely. Also, I feel like you could sit most of the day and then go for like a 10-mile run and kind of undo it. I don't know if it works that way with smoking. Maybe. I always wondered, like, okay, you go, like, you're in excellent cardiovascular shape. Does that mean the cigarette would hit harder? Because you're like, well, I've really conditioned my lungs to maximum ability. Does that include maximum smoking ability? Or is that mostly, you know, like, if I was a big stoner, would it be worth experimenting with, like, if I can increase my VO2 max, in theory, that I could also, whatever. You get what I'm saying. Like, maybe being drunk is the opposite. Where it's like, uh, well, if I can decrease my metabolism and process booze worse, I'll probably be drunk from less booze. Uh, but at the same time, if I, I think what you want to be is a real skinny guy with a slow metabolism somehow. <laughs> uh, but that is not why I'm standing, though, because it's the new smoking. I'm also not standing because it's like, oh, this will be more energetic. The show will have a new energy to it. Um, maybe that will happen. I don't know. If you if you guys feel like, oh, that was standing energy kind of show, uh, let me know, I guess. But I, I just, I injured myself um, somehow. Not really sure. It's like been an ongoing thing for eh, like a year on and off. And uh, ooh, is it painful? Oh, Lord. Sitting sitting down is, like, uh, pretty painful. Getting in the car is like getting stabbed or something. I've definitely become an old man. Um, 
So anyway, I'm going to stand for this episode because, uh, well, I'll stand for it. I stand behind this episode only because uh, detrimental leg injury prevents me from sitting, from not standing behind this episode. So anyway, we did a hilarious episode where we talked about the way the scouts would um, sort of deal with sexual abuse, adult on child sex, sex abuse. So if you missed that one, that was a great one. Uh, but the idea there was like, I have these other ideas for podcasts, right? And I was thinking this year, maybe what I'll do or, you know, for a little while until I run out of ideas is do like single episodes of, you know, the shows that never were. Um, because who has that kind of time? So one was like, oh, I could do the scouts. You know, I'll get, I'll get my merit badges and finish Boy Scouts. And because uh, I never did. Another idea I had for a show was uh, I do one called Amazing Spider Webcast. And by do it, I mean I've gotten through 21 issues in probably like six years. So uh, yeah, it's a quarterly podcast, which is a, an extremely unsuccessful publication schedule for a podcast. You know, I, I don't even think Serial went that long between seasons. And people were complaining. And uh, here I am like, okay, issue 20. If you remember last time, uh, you know, I don't even know when it was. And uh, so kind of, you know, leapfrogging on the success, the wild success of the Amazing Spider webcast, I thought, you know, it'd also be a good comic by comic podcast is a Kathy podcast. If you remember Kathy comics from the newspaper, um, it was by a stringy, straight-haired lady named Kathy who said "ack" a lot. And uh, I thought it would be hilarious to go over each comic in, you know, chronological order in great detail. Detail. So great of detail that it's not even detail, it's detail. So, uh... I have pulled up here the first Kathy comic, which is from November 22nd, 1976. Which is kind of crazy that that's... It's crazy to me that Kathy has been such a lasting comic. Because, I mean, is there anyone who's that's their favorite? I get that there are lots of people who maybe don't hate it. But to, I don't know if people would call it their favorite. I mean, to be fair, I feel the same way about, like, I remember when I was a kid and you're reading the comics and you get to like Doonesbury and every once in a while you'd give it a shot because you're like, I mean, it's a comic. So, you know, I feel like maybe maybe it's funny. Maybe now I'm 10. I'm mature enough for Doonesbury. Doonesbury. And it's like this bald Hunter S. Thompson character smoking a cigarette and talking about like George Bush or something. And you're like, no, nope. I don't get it. I don't even know. Is this supposed to be like Doonesbury was so far off of like Kathy. At least I know what it, that it's supposed to be funny. I understand what is supposed to be funny about it as a child, even though, I, you know, obviously, obviously a 10 year old boy probably isn't going to find Kathy terribly funny. And, you know, that's that's something to examine as we go through the many, many, many comic strips of Kathy one by one. 
Um, but I at least recognized that it was supposed to be funny. You know what I mean? Like if someone said, what's the joke of this? I could say, oh, well, here it is. Uh, I didn't enjoy them particularly, but at least I understood them. So anyway, <laughs> uh, here we go. So Kathy, panel one, uh, is Kathy standing by the telephone and she's got her arms crossed. She looks very tall and thin as opposed to, um, you know, she gets a little more uh, squat and dumpy as time goes on. That seems to be her signature style. I don't know if dumpy is the right word. I don't remember what she looks like in a bikini or if that's ever happened. I assume it probably has, and she probably talked about it at length. But uh, whatever. Um, so she's thinking, Kathy, he's hurt you too many times. Next time he calls, just bite your tongue and give him your answer. Just bite your tongue and give him your answer. So then the phone rings, ring, ring, and she answers it and says, yeth. So instead of yes, yeth, because she's bitten her tongue. Um... All right, this is not not an auspicious beginning. Because doesn't bite your tongue mean not say anything? I don't think, I think she means like, all right, Kathy, screw up your courage and do it. Or like, you know, be bold and do it. But I don't think bite your tongue means the same thing as uh, be brave. <laughs> Just bite your tongue and do it. So, uh, you know, not, not a great start. Um, funny enough, there are comments on these. This is, I guess, like Kathy's, Kathy Geiswhite, I think is her name, is her official sort of thing. Um, and there are comments. This one has six. Uh, somebody says, in this comic, Kathy looks like Jerry from Pre-Tina. P-R-E, capital P-R-E, capital T-E-E-N-A. Um, I don't know what that means. I, I would, I would Google it, but I'm a little afraid to Google pre-Tina. Should I just do it? Should I just be gutsy? A good thing about having a podcast is you have audio evidence of like, why you would, uh, why you would do it. Oh, okay. It's also a comic strip. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. And I'm not going to scroll very far through the images because any image of any comic character, you scroll far enough, you're going to see some you wish you didn't see. Let's see. Someone else said, the only co comic that Kathy is skinny. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like the comments on Kathy comics, you know, or Kathy reading the comments on her own comics would be a great meta comic. Um, someone just says, evil begins. <laughs> I think what's funny about, I mean, Kathy comics, I think, are probably uh, reasonably, uh, I think a lot of people don't find them terribly funny. So it's like hating on it is, you know, fun. But at the same time, I'm just like, I mean, I guess I'm doing a podcast about it, but turn it around. Pete's got a podcast to do. He's got to fill a fucking hour or so. Half hour. 10, 15 minutes. Uh, so, you know, he's looking for stuff to talk about. But I would never make the effort of uh, 
going to this website and filling out a profile to make comments. Although maybe I should. Maybe I should now that I'm doing this uh, show. Comment and be like, I'm going through these one by one so you can see. Uh, then somebody says, how rude. Kathy is a wonderful comic. The world was better for 34 years of her. So apparently the world disagrees with you. <laughs> the world was better for 34 years of Kathy. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's like, um... Kathy is one of those things, too, that I feel like... Uh, with the death of newspapers and stuff, is Kathy going to be... 50 years from now, 2070, are people going to remember Kathy at all? Or is, you know, is like collective memory going to be gone? Or is that going to be something that people still think about, talk about, and or remember? Or not? I mean, most things people won't think about, talk about, or remember in 50 years, right? So that's a, a difficult mark. But at the same time, I just wonder. Um... The guy who said evil begins replied to that comment and said, I'm not going to take insults from a guy who doesn't know how to click reply, which is correct. He didn't reply to the comment. He just posted his own comment. And then the original, the commenter who said Kathy's wonderful said two people voted or no, sorry, someone else entirely jumped in. Two people voted to agree with you. Two people agreed to vote with this other person. Are you sure about the world's opinion? <laughs> oh my god. How how sure are we of anything, you know? Um, Alright, so that's the first one. I think because this is just kind of a one-off, unless, you know, unless the world demands a Kathy uh, by Kathy comic, um, this will be the only time we do this. So let's hit the... There's a button here that's random. So it'll just give me a random comic. Okay, this is 1996, July 18th. Kathy. Kathy has a, a better font for her name and by Kathy Guys White's up at the top. It's a, a lowercase sort of a typewriter font. It's not bad. All right, so Kathy appears to be at work. She's in like a blazer and a skirt. Um, and she's got a curly-haired friend. Friend. Should I leave my desk messy so it looks as if, I, as if I'm busy and crucial to the company? Or should I leave it neat so it looks as if I'm professional and organized? If I leave it messy, no one will be able to find anything when I'm on vacation, and will that make me seem more or less important? If I leave it neat, will I be sneered at for being compulsive or admired for being considerate? 50 magazine articles on how to pack and nothing on how to arrange what I leave behind. You know, this is this one's kind of interesting to me because it's like slice of life. This is uh, Kathy. I just, you know, decided that Kathy is like a uh, shittier version of Harvey Picar. You know, it's like trying a little too hard to be funny. And maybe if it was more depressing, would have been a. Uh, is Kathy the sort of commercial funny greeting card version of Harvey Picar? American Splendor. Where Harvey Picar is like, uh, you know, depressing and not fun. And this is like a little cute joke, but basically they're both slice of life observations. I work in a, in an office place that has the two extremes. One is like people have nothing on their desk. 
You know, every day it looks like this guy is maybe like ready to, he could pull out one drawer, empty it, and then be gone forever. And then there are people who have stuff on their desk that I don't even think they know what it is or why it's there. Um, it just accumulates over time. I remember hearing from someone once, they were like, I don't trust someone with a, a clean desk because it seems like, you know, they don't have enough to do or something like that. Um, but it was funny coming from the person I heard it from because it was definitely someone who I would think didn't have enough to do, but whatever. Um, I, you know, I like to keep a medium desk. I like to keep what I call a tidy desk. That doesn't mean there's nothing on it. But it means that uh, if someone needed something from my desk, they could probably find it. I feel like that's a reasonable compromise. Or like if someone was coming from another building and had to work at my desk, they'd be able to. It wouldn't be a nightmare. Or they'd be like, eh, I'll just go work on the trunk of my car. Leaned over the back of my car. That seems more, more reasonable at this juncture. As Kathy comics go on our um, Kathy strip-by-strip strip rating scale. So I feel like the rating scale should be out of four. Because that's like the maximum panels, right? I think a, usually a comic is three or four panels. So I, I give this one a three. Now keep in mind, the rating scale for this is um, relative. It's relative to other Kathy comics. It's not relative to all entertainment products ever created. It's just basically like, was this mildly entertaining uh, as a Kathy comic? And I would say, yeah, it's I think it's probably better than three quarters of others. But let's see. Let's let's hit random. No comments on this one, by the way. I don't know if there are going to be comments on like any of these, but. All right. This one's March 25th of 2010. Um, this one does have at least one comment. All right. Uh, it looks like Kathy's at the a clothing store, and a lady's holding up some clothes. Trend-free dressing is all about finding what works on you as an individual. What works on you in the context of your little community of friends and coworkers, which needs to blend with the general look of your neighborhood community, your city community, your state community, and be relatable to the zillion communities from sea to shining sea. And then basically it's like a dust cloud, you know, when uh, animals fight in a cartoon and it turns into a dust cloud and like a leg and a fist just pops out. And then uh, it's Kathy buried in clothes and she's saying, this is my individual statement. And the lady says, God bless America. <laughs> um, okay, I don't get this one. I don't get what the joke is here, like. Trend-free dressing is what works on you. What works on you in the context of all these different communities. So therefore you have a thousand different outfits, I guess is what this is saying. I, you know, the things about like ladies buying clothes for me, I just discovered that mod cloth doesn't sell men's clothing. Like that's, that's where my fashion sense is at. I didn't even know that until now. Um, and I only know what mod cloth is because I work with a lot of women <laughs> and it was like Pinterest was big for a while. Then Buzzfeed was like how we wasted time. 
than Mod Claw. And we, I mean, not me. Um, because I was not terribly interested in Pinterest. Now that no one is interested, I am interested because I'm like, oh, these are cool woodworking projects. <laughs> um, BuzzFeed, I always hated, and Mod Cloth, obviously, I was never interested in because I would have probably discovered at some point that these are not even unisex clothes. Um, let's look at the comment. Mrs. Luke Skywalker, <laughs> 11 years ago, <laughs> commented, I already have what works, so I don't need to find it. For once, the sales slash waitress makes a little sense. If you built your wardrobe with classic styled basics and non-crazy patterns or colors, they never go out of style. And if they do, they come right back. You can't go wrong with them. You're always in fashion and you already have it and you look like you know what you're doing. You can always add something trendy to them until the trend goes out in a month. <laughs> I guess this one spoke to this person a little bit more. I can't tell if they found it funny. It sounds almost like they're like, I don't agree with Kathy. I agree with the sales lady or something. Maybe not. Um, I already, I don't, for once the sales slash waitress makes a little sense. Waitress? Maybe this lady is also a waitress or a salesperson. I don't know. We haven't done enough comics yet, have we? I like how it's just a... Uh, is this fashion advice? This seems like not fashion advice, but I guess it's open to interpretation. Oh my god, here's 2018, November 4th, and this is a full color, this must be a Sunday strip, Kathy. Uh, she's going into a fur salon, which I guess is somewhere you buy fur. I guess they don't call it a store. They call it a salon. Um, there's two sales ladies who are speaking in unison. In response to our rising environmental consciousness, the fur industry has gone green. Kathy, thanks heavens. Sales, and blue and yellow and red. Kathy, what? Sales. Magenta fox coats, crimson rabbit vests, cobalt blue mink capes, chartreuse raccoon jackets, sunflower yellow chinchilla purses, violet beaver boots. Sales ladies, the drab tones of nature have been dyed the flirty high voltage hues of the city and ta-da. Protesters won't squirt us with spray paint this year because we're already in technicolor, thus cutting down on fluorocarbons and reducing global warming. Kathy, I can't listen to this. And then Kathy's driving her car home. And she's sitting on the couch with a cardboard box over her head. And petting her dogs. One dog is thinking, bad hair day? And the other dog is saying, bad human day. <laughs> um, I guess I don't... This is crazy to me, because I don't know. Again, this is a weird fashion thing. Is this something that was happening in fashion? That they were taking furs and painting them weird colors. I would think this would not be happening in fashion. Um, because I would think the whole point of a fur is someone has to know it's a fur. Right? Because if no one knows it's a fur, then you're just wearing a, a overly expensive thing that no one knows is expensive. Right? Like, most things um, that are overly overpriced... <laughs> overly overpriced most things that are overpriced isn't the point of them that they're overpriced and then you're signifying wealth like if you're not signifying wealth with your fur what 
even is the point. I mean, it's just like, can you, you're just, <laughs> you're like, I'm interested in extra cruelty clothing. I was thinking about this the other, well, a long time ago, but I brought it up again and Poon Master Flex did not like this line of thinking. Um, but I was like, what if, what if they found that being cruel to chickens made the eggs delicious? Like they were like insulting them, insulting the chickens who lay the eggs made them, uh, amazing somehow, you know, they were the nutritional value quadrupled. What would we then do as a species? <laughs> would we be like, well, we could, I, you know, on one hand, it's like, hey, you could just eat four eggs, right? If you want to quadruple the value. And maybe you don't have to call a chicken like mean names we don't say anymore. On the other hand, it opens up a new field of employment, which is chicken insulter. But then it was like, what does that imply? Does that imply that like chickens understand English and are insulted? You know, and they like try it. They're like, well, we just talked to them and it didn't work. But when we insulted them, I don't know, it worked, especially if they were like chicken specific insults. Um, I, I don't know. I always thought that was like, for me, it's so implausible that it's funny to think about because it's like, I mean, seems unlikely that <laughs> verbal insults would <laughs> affect the taste of a food, but on the, <laughs> and also it's like, well, I mean, I think it's, it came from, you know, you see like in the store and it's like cruelty free. Uh, eggs. And I'm like, well, you know, I think eating the ovum of another animal, I don't know if I could call that a cruelty-free act. I mean, uh, it probably should be called as little cruelty as is necessary. <laughs> if, if you, if what you're gonna do is consume an egg, uh, there is a certain amount of, you know, ethical, moral cruelty involved. But, you know, there's no more than that. I guess maybe the way it arrives to you is cruelty-free. I don't know. I don't know how chickens relate to their eggs or whatever. So maybe that's fine. Um, we were just watching that, that movie, uh, My Octopus Teacher, which is pretty good. And, you know, it's like the octopus is very smart and whatever. And at one point, it's definitely, it's kind of playing. Uh, with fish, you know, it's like uh, the best comparison I can make is it's sort of flailing at them and making them move around like this little school of fish. And it's a lot like a kid running and making the geese fly away. And uh, it's funny because uh, so Poon Master Flex and I have watched all of Chopped that is on Hulu, which is a lot of Chopped. Um and we've kind of made up a drinking game to go with it. You know, we haven't, like, got this set in stone, but it, it'll have to be at some point. And uh, so there's drinks, and then there's shots, right? Drinks are for things that happen fairly commonly, and then shots are for things that happen, but they aren't super common. So some of the drinks um, are, in the opening intro, if somebody does any kind of karate or boxing-type maneuver so they're looking at the camera and throw a punch um that's a drink if they compare food to some other art uh like a visual art or you know they're like i used to make music that's a drink 
if they compare it to um, an athletic endeavor, that's a drink. And if they compare it to like a, it's a huge rush. If they call it sexy, if they say they make sexy food or, you know, use the word sexy, uh, that's a drink. One of the drinks that we've uh, more recently come into is if they're preparing octopus in their intro, that's a drink. For some reason, that seems to be something that at like fancy restaurants people are into. And I just don't get it. We, we ate it once and I didn't find it a pleasant experience. Um, and so it was kind of like, well, I mean... I'm eating something that is expensive and is, you know, not, not required. It's certainly a food that you kind of have to seek out a little bit. And, uh, eh, it's not that great. So I'm going to pass. So it's just kind of funny that it shows up so often in, in that. And then after watching this movie, I was like, I don't understand octopus eating. Cause it's like, it's not good. And it's like, I don't know. We don't need to eat this thing, right? We could just fuck it. I mean, who cares? I don't know. I mean, of course it's hypocritical, right? Because I eat other animals <laughs> and animal products. But uh, it's just easy. It's very easy for me to be like, I'm against octopus eating because I'm like, well, they're smart and whatever. And I'm like, also, it's fucking disgusting to eat. I just don't know who... Certain certain creatures, I'm like, who fucking figured out that that's even food? You know, some of the fruits and stuff they have on that show, but especially some of the sea creatures, you know, some of them are fish. And you're like, well, I guess a fish is a fish, right? As far as I would assume that if people tried one fish and they were like, well, that didn't kill me, they'd probably try other fish. But then you see like a, a jellyfish. And you're like, you know, some motherfucker tried to eat a jellyfish at some point, right? That had to have happened in human history more than once. And was just like, eh, nope. But then you see like a, a lobster. And I just, okay, like why, why did somebody figure out like, oh, lobster's all right. But then it's like, what about a scorpion? That's basically the same thing, right? It's just tiny. But I don't, I don't think we'd eat a scorpion, but a lobster we would. And I'm like, a lobster is definitely like a sea bug, isn't it? I mean, or a crab. That's just like a bug in the sea. What the fuck? Anyway, um, there's a little story about fur that I think is like very relevant to the times. Which is, um, so when I was going to the workshop with um, Chuck Palahniuk, he told this story about Kind of, he thinks that like a, a compelling way to tell a story is to um, present a world to people that is um, better than the one they live in. And if you can present a, a way of life that's better than what people experience currently, uh, they will gravitate to that life. So his kind of theory is like the way to get people to change their behavior is not to uh, shame them or tell them that their behavior is bad. What you got to do is show them a better way. And if they see like, oh, that guy's doing this and seems happier and better off, then people will go that way. An example he uses is with um, beaver and other animal furs. 
So like beaver uh, was almost hunted to extinction in the Pacific Northwest because people made hats out of them. <laughs> if you saw the Revenant, they were like getting beaver pelts. And it's funny because it's like, this is, you guys are getting this to make like top hats and shit? Like you're risking your lives to, I don't know, that seems fucking crazy. But whatever. People lived crazy lives back then. Um, and what convinced people to move away from beaver hats was not, uh, you know, animal cruelty or whatever. It was the introduction of the silk hat. And the silk hat kind of became the new thing. And like people wanted to have a silk hat because that was a sign of status. Um, and so people stopped killing beavers because they didn't give a fuck about beaver hats anymore. But like it even it's more demonstrated in the fur industry because according to what he says, um, there was an interview with somebody in the fur industry in Italy. And this person was like, it wasn't like PETA and whatever that killed the fur industry. It was that um, fur became much cheaper. And so fur for a long time was like the signifier of wealth. Right? Like, you knew you were upper crusty if you saw someone in a fur coat. But then what happened is some um, furriers, I think they called them, not to be confused with furries, started leasing fur. So you could uh, pay monthly, and that meant that people who couldn't really afford fur could afford fur. And so it didn't signify wealth anymore, so people had to move on to something else. And so they moved away from fur um, and into other fashions, not because, you know, they were told it was bad and wrong and immoral, but because they had to do something else to signify wealth. So it's kind of like two different things, right? You can kind of convince people that what they're doing isn't, isn't signifying the way they think it is, um, but you can also do it by showing them a better way. Showing them that there's something else to be done. This has got to be the uh, most modern, uh, or the biggest discussion on this Kathy comic. However, there is one comment. Until modern times, fur was the only winter clothing available. There are five replies. Animal fur coats are much warmer than wool. That's why they were so popular among the aristocrats in Tsarist Russia. Happily, we have much better alternatives, so there's no excuse for fur coats anymore. Uh, someone else. A friend inherited a mink stole from her mother. She wanted to save it, so she had it made into a mink teddy bear. Ooh, that's weird. Someone else. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It feels completely creepy to wear fur. You could not pay me to do it. Um, you could probably pay me to do it. I mean, I don't know if I'd be walking around in, like, cheetah pants all the time, but... A one time to just put it on it's already made they're not like killing they're like okay we'll pay you 80 bucks to wear this fur but you gotta watch us kill this rhino and then turn it into a coat or something i'd be like eh, pass but they're like man this is already here we'll pay you 80 bucks to put it on i'd be like okay someone else fine for you maybe but i am allergic to anything wool I itch like crazy and break out, but modern cold weather gear is lighter and even warmer than fur. No need for fur for me. <laughs> and finally, wow, that's a nasty reaction. I just get too hot, turn all red, and itch while it's on me. Oddly enough, I can wear wool socks with no problem. What are people even doing? Why are they talking about 
allergies to wool on the Kathy Comics comment section. All right, let's do a last one here. March 11, 2013. Kathy's by herself uh, putting on a pair of pants. These pants are loose. If these are loose, then these might be loose. Now I have to try on these on and these on and this on and this on and these on. And there's like a huge mess and the dog is thinking, some days with no warning, my human just starts shedding all over the house. Oh, because there's like pants all over. Okay. Oh, by the way, that last one with the fur, I give that a one out of four. And this one gets, I guess, a two. It seems like maybe a cute attempt at like, dogs don't understand human behavior. But whatever. I'm not a big fan of the like talking or the thinking dog. Unless that creature is the feature of the comic. Um, there's a comment. Hi, Kathy Clan. I have missed several days due to being out of commission with a kidney stone. Awful. Have I missed anything exciting in your world's or Kathy's world? Someone says, ouch, oh, there's a premium member of this somehow. Ouch, those are painful. I'm so sorry. Pretty much the same old, same old. Glad you're back, though. Somebody else, sorry to hear you were in pain. Hope it is all better now. Hi, other Kathyites. I'm still waiting for the pants to loosen up. Maybe a few less potato chips. Wink emoji. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't how I don't even know how you become like a premium member. Nor do I know what being a member of this would be. Um yeah, I prefer I prefer if there's gonna be a talking animal, I think it's gotta be front and center. And also, it doesn't make sense to me to translate a dog's feelings into uh, text like this, like English words that everyone would get, but also that a dog doesn't understand that she's trying on a bunch of pants. I would think a dog that could have thoughts that are translatable into English would understand what pants are. You know, this is just some bitchy bitchiness about about a Kathy comic, about a joke. But I, I just don't like that. I like I like my animals consistent. I feel like when you make a comic or a show, you kind of have to make your animals reasonably consistent. Like, are they going to think like people, or are they not? And then you can make a joke, too, because it's like, okay, these animals are basically animals. Um, so when they, on the rare occasion, they think like people, it's amusing. But Kathy's dogs seem to basically be human thought process, dog understanding. And it is not a valid combination. Does not compute for Pete. Does not compete. <laughs> All right, everybody. We did it. We did the, the Kathy podcast that nobody asked for. And I assume no one will ask for again. But hey, if you, if you uh, want me to surf some more random Kathy comments, comics and comments again in the future. Uh, let me know. I guess we could find out more uh, titillating info about kidney stones from them. Um, I don't know how I feel about calling that titillating, but there it is. Alright, we'll see you next time. Nobody could Like where are the bone dogs in? Are they in harmony? Do, do, do your hair for 
do 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 